This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Now the soap opera that has become uh, the British Tory government has taken another twist and it comes with the announcement on Friday by Boris Johnson, the former Prime Minister, that he was going to resign his seat. He did that after he was informed by the House of Commons Privileges Committee that he had been found guilty of lying to the Commons. Some people believe he may well also have lied to the committee in the evidence he gave. However, he was also informed, we believe, that he would be suspended from the House of Commons for 10 days or more, which would have meant, in fact, that he might have had to have a by-election in his own constituency. Uh, he, it would be recalled and he would be deeply embarrassed and possibly he would have lost the seat. However, he is in disgrace. And yesterday, what's being described by the British newspapers as a war of words broke out between uh, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and Johnson. They had a meeting. Johnson begged him to send the names that he had nominated to the House of Lords. And also there were knighthoods involved, including one for his father. However, Sunak said no and came out publicly and said that Boris Johnson asked me to do something I wasn't prepared to do because I didn't think it was right. If people don't like that, tough. So this is the new Rishi Sunak, and it's a pleasure now to welcome Chris Johns to join us. Chris is former chief economist with the Bank of Ireland, now a respected commentator, and joins us from London. Chris, this is Sunak appearing to be the hard man and standing up to Boris Johnson, what he's facing in Boris Johnson is indescribable, really, when you think of the history of the Tory party. Yes, the uh, the Daily Express today of all newspapers carries an interview with Boris Johnson promising that um, he's going to emulate Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he uh, quotes that man and uh, refers to him by name and says, I will be back. 
So at the end of the day, I think that's that's the open question as to when and how Johnson plans to make his comeback after the most extraordinary few days in British politics, even by Johnson's standards. The last few days have been extraordinary. But I've also been quite consistent with Johnson, the man that we know and love or hate. Take your pick. Um, his either lack of attention to detail and or lying have been uh, present throughout the last few days. It starts with him uh, penning a thousand-word resignation letter that was just full of, as I say, either mistakes, uh, misunderstandings of parliamentary procedure, or downright lies. The, the the committee, the privileged committee that you referred to, that had sent him that report in secret at the end of last week, it has at the moment ha- not been published, uh, didn't have the power to hound him out of office. Uh, it was not a kangaroo court, as described in that resignation by by Johnson. The report had to go to, if it was going to uh, be published and then follow procedure and Johnson not resign and wait for the outcome, the outcome would depend on the House of Commons because the House of Commons had to ratify that report and its recommendations. And of course, the House of Commons is one in which the Conservatives have an 80-plus seat majority. So it's actually up to MPs, not the Privileges Committee, to to hound Johnson out. If the Tory party wanted him, it could have kept him. So that's, that's point number one. The idea that it was a rigged kangaroo court is just, of course, a nonsense. Now, there's probably a name that many of our listeners, um, perhaps even you, Eamon, haven't heard of, a, a chap called Sir Charles Walker um, was on that committee. He's a, he's a Tory grandee who's um, kept out of the limelight, quite deliberately, apparently, for the 18 years or so that he's been around. And he is a stickler for procedure, for, for protocol. And William Hague one of many ex-Tories, Tory leaders, actually, to appear on the stage um, over the last few days, has penned an article in today's Times talking about Wheeler's obsession with detail, so already the contrast with Johnson, and Stickler for, for procedure. And the idea that a man like that could have rigged something, uh, been part of a kangaroo court, been part of a Tory majority on that privileges committee is ridiculous. Yes. And of course, um, the, there was a, another uh, uh, three other Tories on that seven-person committee. So there were four in all, in all. They were they were a majority. So Johnson has actually traduced Parliament by penning that letter. A lot of MPs have been very offended by the the words that he used. They think that it's another instance of Johnson holding Parliament in contempt. I don't think he'll face any sanction for this one. But the extraordinary thing of the last, one of the many extraordinary things of the last few days, I mentioned William Hague's article. We had another leader, ex-leader of the Tory party out yesterday talking about the House of Lords Appointments Committee, HOLAC, as its acronym would have us. Yes. And he was pointing out, just as William Hague and so many others have done, just how wrong Johnson was in terms of the resignation letter that he wrote and his subsequent briefings, leakings, uh, anonymous briefings by his friends to the press have been. And the, the, the key thing for understanding these appointments, this resignation honours list that has caused co- so much controversy, is that Sunak followed procedure. He did what he was supposed to do. Now, Johnson claims a stitch-up, that's a quote, because he says he asked 
Sunak to send the list back to Holak, who had deleted those names that we know and love, and get them to reinstate them. And he, Johnson claims this was a matter of course, it would have been a normal thing to do, and, it, and Sunak had stitched him up by refusing to do so. The simple fact is that no uh, resignation or any other honours list has ever been sent back to that committee. There is no precedent in British parliamentary procedure for it to be done so, not even by Johnson, who actually is the only prime minister we know of in, in modern history, at least, to have ignored one of the recommendations of Holak when he appointed a, a, a KGB-connected person to the House of Lords. So Johnson himself yes. could have sent it back but didn't because at the time when he was prime minister making people lords um, that he shouldn't have done, he simply put the names back into the list himself. He didn't follow the thing that he says Sunak should have done. So there's just so many episodes like that. Michael Howard has been on the airwaves pointing out as an ex-member of Holak that Johnson was wholly, completely, 100% wrong. And Howard actually says that Johnson was lying because he must have known that he was wrong because of this episode in his own past when he changed the recommendation of Holak. So there's been a, a raft of people out over the airwaves, not just ex-Tory leaders, but people like Anthony Selden writing in the Sunday Times, our old friend um, Max Hastings has penned an, another excoriating article about Johnson. So whether by accident or, or by design, Sunak's PR team has done a magnificent job of absolutely eviscerating and burying Johnson. Now, that doesn't rule out the comeback that I mentioned earlier on, but for now he's finished. And he's certainly finished as a politician this side of the next general election. Yes. And if he is to an attempt to come back, it will have to be after that. Yes, I mean, there were 16 names, 16 people that he nominated for the House of Lords. There were others that he nominated for a knighthood, including his father, Stanley, who was turned down by those uh, who have to vet these names. But Stanley has a history of domestic violence involving uh, Johnson's brother, incidentally, but he was turned down. And and allegations by a, by a female... A politician that, yes. that he assaulted her, um, an episode with which he says yes. he has no memory of it at all. Yes, but the, I mean, Nadine Doris, Nigel Adams, uh, Alok Sharma. Doris and Adams are Tory MPs. Doris was a slavish supporter of his, and indeed Adams was. They had no real place in the House of Lords, and they were rejected by this committee you mentioned, HOLAC, which is the House of Lords Appointment Commission. The question that arises now is, can the Tory party really survive in an election which must take place in the next 18 months? And there are efforts by the Tory press. I know today you mentioned the Daily Express haven't really, they have a an apologia for Johnson on the front, uh, a statement he issued about, as you say, coming back. The Daily Mail has an attack on Keir Starmer, which really seems to be their answer when there's any bad Boris news. There are people, though, who are loath to write him off. In your view, Chris, where the next election goes... Is he a problem for the Tory party or an asset for the Tory party? This is a man, despite everything we know about him, and the many, many distinguished people, including the Max Hastings speech, which I read, Hastings once sacked him for 
stealing other people's copy and, and presenting it as his own when he was a journalist. Is he an asset? He's never lost an election since 1997, including two twice being elected mayor of London, winning the Brexit vote, winning that 80-seat majority. For some people, he is a potent vote winner. There is a sort of comparison. There are various comparisons that could be made with Donald Trump, who I think, on the whole, is probably a far more sinister person with the capacity given America's power to create something worse than even Johnson could do. There's lots of moving parts there, Eamon. The the one thing that um, strikes me from all of the pieces that have been penned, you mentioned Max Hastings as I did, is that everybody talks about his infinite capacity for lying. And I described some of the inaccuracies, if not lies, that Johnson made in the past. So I think that in a way, He's been found out. But there is a core support for for Johnson still there, just in the same way that there is a, no matter what the facts, no matter what the reality of Brexit means for Britain on the ground, for example, there will always be a rump core support for Brexit because it's tribal, because who knows why people do what they do sometimes. But Johnson obviously has... Uh, a much talked about ability to connect with ordinary people that's, that is often compared to Tony Blair's um, pre-Iraq war ability to, to connect with ordinary people. And he still has it. And his friends in the Tory party are say, briefing the press this morning, claiming that he still has a hundred backbenchers on his side. So that would be sufficient to get him on in any ballot of the Conservative Party at large. Um, all of this would have to happen after a general election. It's not going to happen before, would be would be my view. By which time there might be so much water under the bridge and so much money earned by Johnson, and he will have had so much fun making his speeches and making his money, he'll be reluctant to return to politics. That's a guess. I don't know, obviously. Um, but the, the, the consequences of all of this are, I suspect, that the Tory party has been further damaged electorally. Uh, if there were a general election today, they would be eviscerated. There's still about, we, we think, yes. about 12 to 18 months to go before the next election, which, of course, in politics is, is an eternity, and anything could happen over that period. But they've got three by-elections to fight, probably in the first half of next month. We're not quite sure when the actual date is. And it has course, to be by the end of July, I think, Chris. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the the betting is at the moment that there's a good chance that they will lose all three seats, including Nadine Doris' previously th- described very safe seat. The episode of Doris is is a classic example of Johnsonism in action, and it's it's almost funny if it wasn't so personally tragic for her. She threw the toys out of the pram and promptly resigned when she learnt that the promise Johnson had made her to become a dame, to join the House of Lords, was not going to be honoured. And she's just the latest example in a countless list of individuals, let alone the institutions of government in the UK, that have been damaged by coming within Johnson's orbit. And so another promise made, another promise not kept. That is Johnson. Yeah, one has to... One has to say about Nadine Doris, uh, Chris, she, as Culture Secretary was the person who threatened, in fact promised, to make the BBC a subscription-only channel by uh, 2027, which would have led to the destruction of the BBC. She also was the person who floated the idea of privatising Channel 4, 
And putting those people really ill-suited, is, is the politest way to put it, into positions of power where they can damage, you know, a, a revered institution like the BBC, not perfect, but certainly to destroy the BBC because Boris Johnson wanted to give you a job. I mean, that's the kind of wreckage, and there's probably, in terms of the health service and other things in Britain, much worse sins committed by in the Johnson years. And, of course, the biggest of them all is Brexit. He is Brexit man, isn't he? Brexit is his baby. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier that he got his 80-plus seat majority. You've got to remember that he fought Corbyn. I suspect um, even a turnip or a lettuce could have <laughs> got a conservative majority during that yes. election. But who yes. knows? Anybody would have would have won that. Of course, no. It's important to make that point. Yeah. So he may not be the the vote getter that a lot of people think that he actually is against uh, a decent opponent, as as Keir Starmer, for all his faults, is a decent opponent. Um, the, 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 the comparisons between Trump and Johnson, I think, are well made. And you say that Trump is worse than Johnson. History will inevitably tell. Um, but the, the well, he, he has his finger on the button. Yeah. And as he told the little man in North Korea, uh, my button works. Absolutely. But the thing is, I, I think that so far, at least, and you know, as I say, the future may turn out to be somewhat different. But so far, I think that Johnson has been worse for Britain than Trump has been worse for America. Because for all of the things that Trump said yes. and did, they were mostly empty rhetoric, hot air. And yes, yes. we had an attempted coup on January the 6th after the presidential election. But, but really, substantively, the damage that he has done to America, I think, is less than Johnson has done to the damage of, uh, that he has caused British institutions, British, British public life, and the state of governance yes. in the UK. Because people here, people here trust the government no more. They, 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 you know, the politicians are in the same rank as the state agents. My apologies to my state agent friends. But, they, but the whole system of governance has been called into question by, uh, by Johnson's antics, by his constant lying, by, as so many other people like Hastings and Selden describe his narcissism. And th this is what, what he is. I mean, the, the, the psychology of the man has been investigated by these various, or speculated upon by these various commentators of late. And you and I have talked about this ages ago, in which I, I suggested to you, Eamon, that the problem with Johnson, the reason, the thing that explains his behavior is that he actually doesn't believe in anything at all. That's and true. Anthony Selden described him in similar terms. He just said the problem with Johnson is that he is empty inside. And he doesn't even really believe in himself. All he believes in is his own fun. And for some strange behavioral psychological reason, all he is is an attention seeker. So he, he the reason why he tells lies is sometimes just because he says it to, uh, to people, he, pe people who want to hear what they want to hear and he, he gives it to them and then says something completely different in the meeting, um, an hour later, um, or in the House of Commons, as it turns out. I think he also believes in what might be called the power of love. But that's a, perhaps another story. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There is a question that we have to answer and others have to answer about both Johnson and Trump. Why do people vote for them? Why do people smile fondly? Even last night I saw a BBC Vox Pop in his constituency and they were reluctant to say they'd have to think very seriously this time. But when his name was mentioned, a smile came to their face and it is very reminiscent of Trump. Yeah. And they are reacting to the, to these two guys. Um, and there are others around the world uh, who we needn't mention now. Uh, Berlusconi, the, the, the God rest him, who died yesterday, another rogue who appealed to the average person, is, is that they are not priggish. They are not offering policies and beliefs that ordinary people don't want or can't comprehend. For example, in at the moment, the trans debate that is everywhere around the world, including in sport. Now, People don't want what they're being offered by the left and indeed by many liberals. They just don't want it. I think that's absolutely right. And I think it speaks to the failing of traditional politics that, is, that create, helped to create the environment for these demagogues, because that's what they are. Yes. Um, you mentioned Italy. We've got another one at the moment, of course, in Turkey, which is the prime example or a similar example to Brexit. Brexit was about economic and other forms of damage to Britain, but people wanted it anyway for the reasons, for some yes. of the reasons that you suggested there, that they had become alienated from their political leaders. The political leaders were ignoring them. And uh, when somebody comes along and says, I feel your pain, I'm with you, and makes them laugh, and they vote for them. And uh, as I say, ec the economic pain in Turkey at the moment is horrendous. And yet, Erdogan gets 
back in. So, so it is with Brexit that the, the still large numbers of people who think it was a great idea are now more willing than ever to acknowledge the, the economic pain that it's caused, but say that it was worth it for, for something, for sovereignty, for control, or I have no idea what. But in terms of Johnson's appeal, uh, people, opinion pollsters have gone out and asked, why is it that you find Johnson politically attractive? And one of the most common answers in various forms is that he's the sort of guy that I can have a, a pint with, he makes me laugh, and he's entertaining. Now, it's all of those things yeah. that Max Hastings, in his article, uh, addressed head-on and said the last thing that politics, serious politics, should ever be is entertaining, because the, the, the business of serious politics is actually deadly dull. Um, it's just the circus aspect of Johnson. Um, the Roman emperors used to promise their people bread and circuses, you know, money and entertainment. And that was Johnson's promise to the electorate. And one of the th reasons why I think he's, he's out is that um, he didn't deliver on either. Um, if you thought that what he had has done to Britain over the last few years was entertaining, then I think you probably would also have been the sort of person that would have enjoyed the carnage of the Colosseum back in back in ancient Rome. And he certainly didn't give the British people any bread, because the economic consequences of not just Johnsonism, but Cameron Osborne before him, um, have been absolutely disastrous for the British economy. But the entertaining clown still retains an appeal. I'm the wrong person to ask, why do people still vote for him? I never understood why people voted for him in the first place. So I try to understand, but you probably need to speak to a Johnson voter, a Johnson fan, to get a true, meaningful yes. answer to that question. I'm not sure there is one, but they're the people that would know. Yes, and we here in Ireland have some skin in this game, Chris, as you know. Um, he signed an agreement with the European Union that he had no intention of honouring, and part of that agreement contained the Northern Ireland Protocol. And that had been agreed. It was fine. He lied, of course, to get the deal. He needed the deal before the election, before the end of the year in 2020. And he lied to get it. We still don't have the people in the north of the country don't have a sitting assembly. So it, Johnson is not cost free for us or indeed for uh, people in the United Kingdom. The question, I think, left and liberal people and, and people who rightly object to him have to ask him, why? Why are people like Johnson and Trump and in Turkey, Erdogan? Erdogan is a nationalist. He is a conservative Muslim. He is really quite different from what might be called a progressive. And people want that. I think that it's got something uh, running in parallel with the causes of the great financial crisis. There was a great economist that nobody's ever heard of uh, called Hyman Minsky. And there's a thing named after him called the Minsky moment. And his economic theories uh, suggested that periods of great stability in economics sow the seeds of their own destruction. Yes. And that what happens during very stable times is that people take more and more risks. And then when something comes along to expose those risks, the system all of a sudden just falls off a cliff, which is exactly what happened during the great financial crisis. We had years and years and years of what was called the great moderation. Economies didn't uh, go up or down by very much. They grew steadily. Inflation was low, interest rate, all that kind of stuff. And But underneath it all, 
unseen by anybody, including regulators. People were taking huge risks with the economy, and then it all blew up in 2007-8. And I think there's a read across to politics, is that we've, in the West, in the developed world at least, we've been reasonably conflict-free. We've had great increases in living standards, and it hasn't really mattered which government is in power. And I think that's bred a certain level of complacency in large swathes of the electorate. I all, and, and when you get that kind of complacency, you get people willing to take political risks. Yes. And when you also get those disconnected parts of the population from politicians in the way that you described earlier, the people who are genuinely alienated, genuinely not doing well out of that great moderation, um, you have a, a quite toxic combination. You've got the third element is that throughout history, people popping up, demagogues popping up, doing the populist thing have always proven popular. They make promises they can't keep. They speak language that people can understand. They pretend that everything is very simple. They have the solutions. And people seem to warm to this. It's part of our psychology. Um, I think there, you know, there are lots of explanations like that. But we do live in a world where demagoguery, totalitarianism, right-wing populism is, is, is popular. And, you know, we, we think yes. in France that it's, there's still a risk that Le Pen is going to succeed Macron in a few years' time. And it's still on the march. So we need to guard against this. And, and as Hastings said in his article, we need to get politics back to being serious again. And we need to politics, politicians to start telling us the truth about the situation that we're in. And we need to be shaken out of our complacency that has led us to think that electing these kinds of people won't lead to disaster. In fact, we believe what they say in terms of their promises. So I think that unfortunately, we need a big shock. Um, I'm not sure what that's going to be. Historically, it's of, often involved some kind of a war, um, and I'm not predicting that for a nanosecond. But I do think that um, as electorates, we have become very, very complacent, and we don't really we don't pay much attention to politicians. The people like us who are deeply interested in politics are the exception rather than the rule. And people th think, hey, sure, look, it won't matter who we elect. They're all the same anyway. And maybe we should elect this one over here who's promises to bung me a few quid or, or, or some such bung. Um, and you've got the same thing in Ireland coming up. You know, you've, you've got potentially, a, you know, an extremist or a party that is often described as extremist lining up to be the next government. And you've got one of the most successful economies and societies in the, in the world breeding the kind of complacency that I'm talking about. You're about to take a huge risk with your successes. Every country seems to be susceptible to this. Okay, Chris, it's interesting. As always, I'm more than that to talk to you. Very grateful to you for joining us. Just a, a final footnote. Everyone talks and has been talking this week and indeed yesterday about how much money Johnson makes on his after dinner circuits and uh, books that he never writes uh, and all of that. Uh, it's rather funny to think of the billionaire Rishi Sunak <laughs> envying Boris, who is always on an airplane somewhere to earn relatively little money. But we're very grateful to you for joining us today, Chris. Britain is in a terrible state, and uh, you're quite right to point to the stability we have here and the relative decency of our own politicians. We're very grateful to Chris Johns, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.